What's up, everyone? I'm Scott. And I'm Amy. And this is Ranked, a podcast where we rank top tens of film, TV, music, and everything in between. And today we're talking breakup songs, the playlists for all the sad boys and sad girls, Valentine's Day is creeping up. So that means people are possibly getting together for a burgeoning relationship, possibly calling it quits, possibly gift dodging. Um, all the above. Amy, what do you think about breakup <laughs> songs? You know what? I, I, I would argue it's not always a sad thing. Sometimes it's a happy thing. It's that That's freedom. Right. Sometimes you take it a little too long and you just need that freedom. <laughs> and so it, it's it's just that season that, you know, everybody, I feel like February is stereotyped just for love. It's coming after the holidays where you're supposed to have this like blossoming something according to Hallmark. And then you have February where it's like, was that really a blossoming something? Or was I just, you know, quitting my job, moving to some small town, meeting some random human and then being like, what, what the hell am I doing? So coming back to reality and being like, yeah, no, here I am in my zone. So happy V-Day coming for lovers. Happy V-Day coming for non-lovers. Freedom. And all the in-between. <laughs> yeah, it usually gets, it definitely gets typecast as like the month of love. But it's, you know, like you said, it could be, it could be looked at a lot of different ways. It could be looked at as starting the beginning of something new. It could be calling it quits for better or worse. And the, and the better part of that is uh, on to bigger and better. Um, you know, we're doing breakup songs. We got rom-coms coming up, so we kind of wanted to hit both of both sides of that coin on uh in february um but yeah like so when you build out this when you when you build out your list do you tend to when you think of breakup songs you tend to get more like aggressive do you get more like have more longing in these in these songs well what do you usually go for so i have pages when i first tried to put this list together and Scott, you'd be so proud of me. I'm not cheating on any of these. I have a, a top 10 list I made out of my list. So no, no cheat, cheat numbers for me this time. No, no clumping them together. No Fast and the but, Furious 1 through 11. <laughs> no, but I'm sure there's breakup songs across those. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it really, it's changed over time. Like, I feel like as I've got older and just grown, you know, having relationships in the past and everything. When I think about what I used to listen to versus what I listen to now, when it comes to breakup songs or how I listen to them, I guess, I feel like breakup songs are something that become very personal, both to the the artists that make them and, you know, really diving into where these songs came from for people was really interesting to me. So I also have quite a few notes of things that just really stood out, but also it's personal to you too for, for you know, what that song means. So something could really bring out an emotion in you you know it could be a sad emotion it could be an angry emotion it could be a yeah i'm through this i'm over it emotion so it's just all all these songs can get very emotional even when you you know you're over something but it's just you know it hits you differently and you know i'm when i hear them now i'm i'm like oh this is this is still a really great song and that's where i kind of went went with with my list for for this week yeah i it's like i um I tend to gear more towards the ones that are like very retrospective that are, you know, I guess to be simple about it, that are very sad when you listen to them, but some are kind of optimistic, sad, like they're for like kind of a better, bittersweet type of tone. Yeah. Um, you know, I do like the ones we've talked about this before when we've done a couple other of the uh, music pods is where some of the ones that are uh, dark lyrics, but 
very up-tempo and upbeat songs, which I love. Um, so those might, you know, find their way. And I always like, <laughs> I always like those. Cause it's, you know, you're kind of sitting there grooving and you're like, wow, these lyrics are tough. And then you realize what it's about. And you're like, Oh, this is a whole different version of this song. Yeah. Um, you know, I love the ones that some of them are just straight tragic that are, you know, really tough to listen to. I think for the most part, these can kind of, I think that's the best thing about like doing breakup songs is you get, they're kind of all over the place. You can go all the way back to kind of the Motown doo you know, sweet ones. And then you kind of can go into different genres where they're a little bit more aggressive or a little darker, but that's, that's the best part. Um, I always, there's actually a subgenre of breakup songs, which I think is songs that are so personal probably to the artist or feel so real that you actually listen to them. You're like, did I go through that? That made me feel like I actually, like I didn't even go through, I've never experienced that, but man, <laughs> that one's tough. Like that, that hits you hard. I love those. Those are the ones where they really feel real. They feel like they have stakes and that that person really struggled right in that where you can like it came through the microphone. You're you know, you're like, wow, that's a that meant something. So, you know, those those work. I love those. Yeah, I feel like artists best work is more the ones that do the breakup songs and love songs. I I find myself drawn more to their breakup songs because I I really get into lyrics. I used to study poetry very deeply uh, and I wrote poetry too, so I was I was always about the lyrics of songs. I I like beats and everything now too, but it was the lyrics were always what drew me in at the start. So I always would take lyrics and analyze them deeper, try to figure out what was going on before you know before we even had the internet to be able to you know learn about what all these songs meant. Uh, but we also had VH1 pop up, which would sometimes tell oh, yeah. us what they meant too. Yep. But I just I really like to deep dive into lyrics, so. You know, that that's something I, I've noticed with these songs, too, that as I as I was learning where people were coming from with these songs, it, it made them stand out more for my list for today. And they also do have a personal connection in some way, too. They just all reached me at some point in life. And yeah, I, I think an artist just just has just more with with all those emotions coming at once. Just the music is more raw than when it's a love song and you're just very giddy and bubbly and all over the place the the breakup songs can have so many different emotions showing in a song between you know the a little bit of upbeat and trying to be optimistic but then also that rager sometimes <laughs> that yeah. you just need to hear and they're just yep. a great it's just great i love the combination of, of everything that come out in that song so when you see that raw human again it's just fantastic yeah and i like taking a peek at my list i definitely i i think most of mine are personal to the artist on some level like when i, I, I whether that was intentional the way i picked those i don't know if i really went out looking for those because you know you just when we make these lists these are usually our favorites and ones we think are the best so they're gonna have some personal attachment and you know we've sat with these we've songs we've gone back to is usually how we do these lists so i don't think that was like a conscious thing but it's just funny i noticed kind of peeking at it that yeah these are kind of all like personal on some level to the artist and and i think it's hard that's what makes these so good and what makes them stick with you is it's hard to fake that you could have somebody, yeah. you know, maybe some of the best songwriters can get in there and write like a really tough emotional song for another artist. But that's got to come from either a really deep place for them or they're just masterful with their words, you know, it's good. or a combination <laughs> of both. But that's hard to do. It's hard to fake. So I think a lot of these, you know, picks, you know, that are going to come across or they're going to be personal on some level. Yeah, and just just in case anybody's listening to our podcast for the first time, Scott and I do not share lists ahead of time, so that's right. We tend to be just as surprised on what's on each other's list, and especially with music, it it gets interesting because 
I, I don't know if we've really had much crossover with music. So one of these times we're gonna we're gonna have it happen, but you know we haven't got there yet. <laughs> yeah, we I think we share a lot of uh, the same movie. Mm-hmm. tastes we have a lot of you know shared interests there music seems we seems to be on opposite ends of the world so far so which makes it interesting so we'll see we'll see how that goes um what do you think you want to get into them yeah let's do it you want to kick us off number 10 scott what's your number 10 yeah i'll kick it off all right my number 10 is uh from the legendary Babyface, and it's a song called i hope that you're okay this was from 2014. It's kind of a great R&B ballad, and it was from a joint album that he did with Tony Braxton um, called Love, Marriage, and Divorce, which is one of my favorite albums. It's just a oh, very, wow. very grown-up R&B album. Um, you know, right on, right on track of what we were just saying. This is very personal for both of them because I'm sure many people that are familiar with Babyface and Tony Braxton, they have a long working history. They have a long, you know, long friendship. They've made a ton of classics together. They both also very publicly went through divorces. And a good part of this album is, you know, them making this music together and with that shared history and um, and creating it together. And there are songs on the album that are very about love and being together. There's a song on there called Reunited. And but this is a, actually a solo track that Babyface did for the album. And this was kind of what we were just talking about, where even in the title, right, it's I hope that you're OK. It's it's like he's talking about, you know, I'm going to leave today, but I hope that you're OK. And it's it's got all like those those themes of this just didn't work out. It's bittersweet. It's we just can't get there. And it's got all those elements to it. And nobody's I mean, Babyface is one of the best writers in the game, one of the best producers ever. And it's really tender and it's really sad, but it's also a more optimistic version of what you would consider a breakup song. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it's more of like a non-traditional idea of a breakup song because it's got tenderness and it's kind of you get the feel that it's like a mutual split but it's very much somebody saying you know and i'll just highlight real quick like one of the lyrics you know he says like although i love you it's i think i'm gonna leave today and it's it's tough it's it's tough to hear somebody put those words and like i said it just adds even more to it knowing that when you know when i read about this album and when it first came out i thought wow that's a i mean that's a grown folks album that's that's an r&b album for grown-ups and the, they both went through very tumultuous relationships and had pretty public divorces. So they put this in an album and you can tell you can't write these songs if you hadn't been through this. So I love it. I love that album. And this is definitely one of those songs. It's very sweet, but it's, it's tough. So that's my number 10. I hope that you're okay by Babyface. Yeah. And you know, that's one thing too. So uh, Scott, I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I first went to college, I was going to be, I was working to be a writer. And that's one thing we were always taught was, you know, write, write what you know, because that's yeah. where the, the best writing comes from. And I think that's true with these song lyrics. You know, that's, that's probably why I like the breakup songs better, you know, like we were talking about. And when you're when you're telling telling your story, it just it comes out more real and it makes more connections that way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime it can be personalized, it's it's going to come across, you know, way more honest and way more heartfelt and you it's going to hit your ears better. Or worse, depending on <laughs> what, the, what type of song it is. <laughs> so yeah, that's my number 10. What you got? All right. Uh, so my number 10 is a song from 1993. Uh, and I, I actually learned that this is one of three kind of videos that make a connection. I knew about two of them. I didn't know it was a third. So now I need to go back and watch it because these music videos were just some of my favorite growing up. And it's the song Cryin' by Aerosmith. And it's the first video that had Alicia Silverstone 
as the main character in it. And it's the first one of the three. So there's one in that also came out in 1993 called Amazing. And that's the one I have not seen. And then I've seen the one in 1994 called Crazy with Alicia Silverstone and Liv Tyler. And after reading about, you know, where this song was coming from, it does seem like it's telling the story of a a young woman who's 16 and crying, coming of age and finding herself and becoming this, you know, independent woman that can go do what she wants to do and be what she wants to be and have this freedom from not having to fall into the, the societal ways of, you know, there, there's a lot of pressure uh, on women. And, you know, Scott, I mean, you probably know more from a man perspective, but for me, from a woman, you get that pers- that uh, perspective of you need to find love, find a husband, get a house, have babies. And then that's, you know, maybe get a job, but, you know, it's really focused on find a man, get married, have have a house, have babies. And you get that yep. pressure from a young age. And so, you know, seeing something that kind of blossoms a little bit out of that. And I feel like, you know, especially Steven Tyler with having Liv Tyler as his daughter, you know, yeah. you, you learn a little bit differently when you're a father to a young girl growing up and you see something, you know, you see it from a totally different perspective. And this song was about Alicia Silverstone at age 16. Uh, she has a falling out with her boyfriend after she catches him cheating and they're driving along. And instead of giving him a kiss, she pushes him out of a car when they're pulled over and then she just keeps driving. And it, it takes her into this little bit of a rebellious stage where she go gets her navel pierced. She's starting to, you know, try to figure out who she is as, as a person and do the things she's wanted to do. Uh, she ends up having her purse stolen by Josh Holloway uh, when, when he was younger, <laughs> who is Sawyer and Lost, if anybody's watched Lost. So I need to go back and watch that because I do not remember Josh Holloway from that. So, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Lost, Josh Holloway as a youngin is in this one. But then, you know, the video uh, comes to a close with uh, Alicia Silverstone on this bridge, and it looks like she's going to jump. And her boyfriend's there and cops are trying to get her to come back saying, no, no, don't jump. And she jumps. But what you see is that she's on a bungee cord. And so it gives this beautiful metaphor of like, you could step back and go back into that life that seems like it was pretty toxic for you and not what you wanted. Or you you take this jump, you take this leap of faith into freedom. And she chose to take the leap of faith into freedom. Which then, you know, now I want to see Amazing and see what part of that journey is. But then you get to Crazy, which comes after it, where she has a best friend and they, you know, are doing their rebellious thing together. So it was a it's a nice connection of what it's like to be a teenage girl again. So it had a little nostalgia. But this song is just amazing to me. Yeah, I, it's funny. You kind of you beat me to it because um, as soon as you said this pick, I, I was I wanted to I was I was almost hoping you weren't going to mention it, but I knew you would. Um I was just going to say, is this the video where she repels from the bridge on the bungee and then like gives it? Does she do the middle fingers like she looks up and gives the middle yeah. finger? I think it, I remember I was like, that's Alicia Silverstone. And that's when she repels from the bridge and gives the I think she gives like the censored out middle finger. Yeah, it's just I, a, yeah, it's just about that escape and that like I'm out. And that's this is like on the off and running. I heart her. I always I always loved. You know, she has this this hippie style to her, but also this rebellious style. And then she can do something like Clueless, too. <laughs> she's just amazing. Uh, she's a very, she's a big animal activist now, which is is awesome. I, I follow her on social media and, and see all the things she's been doing. But yeah, my number 10, Crying Aerosmith. Nice. On the Alicia Silverstone kick real quick, 
Um, this was like, <laughs> what, maybe a year or two before she was uh, quite poorly in Batman and Robin, even though we don't blame Alicia Silverstone for that. <laughs> no. Nope. Uma Thurman and Alicia Silverstone brought it. They're, yeah, that's a Schumacher they're okay problem. in my book when it comes to Batman. Yeah, yeah. That, that really was. And that was, um, I even have some, some issues with the, the Batgirl costume that they designed. <laughs> All the you know, costumes she, She's there. hot already. You don't need to like try to, try to make it. George Clooney's bat suit had nipples. So that's just, you know, <laughs> sidebar. You yeah. Know what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't need to talk about the movie. I feel like that movie is never no. going to make our top tens unless we're talking about worse movies. That's our personal movie breakup. <laughs> Batman and Robin, that did it. At least All there's right. been some Batman redemption since then. Yes, there definitely has. Thank goodness. <laughs> Thank goodness. That made, that was my breakup. That made me cry when I was, a, when I was younger. That was my breakup. Yeah. I listened to breakup songs after watching <laughs> Batman and Robin. All right, my number nine. Number nine. All right, my number nine is a song called Wicked from just an incredible, incredible artist, singer-songwriter who just has not got her just due yet, but her name is Nija, and she just put an album out in 2022 called Don't Say I Didn't Warn Ya, old song singer-songwriter from New Jersey, which is incredible. She's wrote a ton of hits. She's written for Beyonce, Gaga, Ariana, SZA, and this was kind of her breakout. Um, it's a pretty powerful song about being blindsided and that maybe the person you were with wasn't who they were supposed to be um it's pretty you know it's kind of got that ex scorned feel to it it's got a really kind of propulsive dumping beat but it also kind of mellows out her voice is incredible her songwriting is like really prescient you know she like i said some of the artists i listed off she's known to kind of as ghost written some of those things and she's probably like i i hope i hope she's kind of like almost uh kind of like a victoria monet or like even with the weekend when he first came out it was like this person just hasn't got they're just not there yet like they haven't been noticed as much yet but she's awesome um her voice just kind of emotes everything you need in the song and the album has a couple of these cuts on it but wicked is like the second you fire it up it kicks right into her basically saying, how did I not see this shit before? And it's like, it, that's, and you're just off. And it's like, you can tell this is very personal to her. I, you know, I read a couple interviews about her making of this song and um, this album, and you could sense this is like, somebody had been done wrong here. And it was time to get in the studio and convey that. And uh, I love it. It's a great album. She's an incredible artist. Um, and because she's new, if anybody doesn't know, it's N-I-J-A, Nisha. Uh, Wicked. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I'll have to look that one up. I haven't heard that one excellent, before. Excellent, But it sounds like my writer. kind of jam. <laughs> it is. And it's like I said, it's it's kind of like a, it's, I wouldn't really say hip hop. I mean, it's kind of got that type of feel because of the beat, but um, it's it's got just like a really urgency to it. Like it matches what she's singing about. I just love that she kicks it off like that. How did I not see this shit before? And she's just talking about somebody being a chump and not pulling, <laughs> pulling their weight. You know, it's a oh. common thing too. That I'm sure a lot of people can relate to it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And just, you know, not not uh, having that person who you maybe bought in with and just was didn't turn out the way you hoped or didn't pull their weight or was kind of a sucker behind the scenes. And you got to got to ditch them. I love this song. Though. This is this is one I throw in the headphones a lot because it just you can just sit with it and you can hear it in her voice. This is what you want. This is what you want in those songs. You want that artist to bring this across. So that's my number nine is Nisha's Wicked. 
Nice. All right. Well, uh, so my number nine comes from one of my favorite albums from the 90s. Uh, the album really was released in 1995. It's the song Don't Speak by No Doubt. It comes from their sure album Tragic Kingdom. <laughs> and, you know, if you haven't listened to our Super Bowl talk about Gwen Stefani, this was a time when she was in her grunge rocker era my favorite era of Gwen Stefani and I hope to see it again someday please bring it back and you know so so one thing I learned about this song that I didn't realize was Gwen and her brother actually originally wrote this as a love song and so this song was supposed to be a love song it had a little bit more of uh, a 70s vibe to it and they did several rewrites and versions of the song but then after Gwen Stefani and uh, one of the band members broke up after a seven-year relationship. She turned it into a breakup song. And so, you know, it just it just took a whole different turn based on this moment. You know, couldn't couldn't have it be that love song anymore. Turned it into a breakup song. And I guess also uh, there were a lot of tensions in the band during this time. So the band almost broke up the day before the music video was going to be made for this song. And they ended up deciding to still film and use the song as their own version of therapy to help them work through whatever it is they needed to to stay together. So I thought that was really cool, too, because it gives it this whole new vibe of, you know, it's not just a relationship breakup, but, you know, there's other kinds of breakups, too. Like your bands could break up. There's breakups with friends. Friends break up, too. And we don't really talk about that as much that there are friendships and you break up just like you would in a relationship. You go through a healing process. You have memories with this person. You, you know, have to learn how to not have that person to talk to or hang out with anymore. Yeah, good and point. It's the, yeah, it's the same, same with a band. You know, you have to learn how to either go solo or do something else. Uh, and this, this music video, too, is just so awesome back in the day. And just, just watching her rock out around a stage and, you know, kind of get in the faces of some of the band members, a.k.a. an ex. <laughs> like, you know, one of those things that sometimes you're just in that angry mode and you really want to just lay it out to them. But uh, yeah, I, I, I love this song. And the, the lyrics in itself, you know, don't speak. I know what just you're saying. And uh, it, it, it comes down to one of those times where sometimes in a, when, when a breakup happens, you know, there's nothing more to be said. You just need to break it, pull that bandaid off, and go away because if you just keep talking it's just gonna you know make it worse so hits a lot of different levels with this song but yeah don't speak by no doubt made my number nine great song yeah I, and i mean gwen stefani obviously is loving life living her best life with blake shelton and uh i don't think she's coming back to this era anytime soon <laughs> but you touched on a part where i think it historically is you know maybe i don't know if we explicitly mentioned this in the beginning but Kind of the art imitates life, life imitates art. I mean, how many just incredible relationship slash songs have been made from those weird dynamics? You know, people obviously most famously know Fleetwood Mac and uh, what was it George Harrison and Eric Clapton and Layla. And there's so many of these these things where these artists have to work together, but there's some relationship kind of triangles and or like you said, bands breaking up, but then they're making music together. It's it's dicey. So and and what's going to come from that? Great, great music always is going to come from that. Yeah, that's yeah, good. So pick. I've heard, I've heard rumors, Scott, that uh, no doubt is going to get back together in 2024. I think they're just performing at Coachella though. But I, 
I'm hoping mm. maybe it's just so good that they're like, yeah, let's tour with somebody because Blink-182 just toured and has like a whole new fan base again. So I think That's if right. Doubt just wants to do it, even if they did it for a year, they they would be fantastic. And I, I, I'm here for that. I would love to see No Doubt live. It would. How, how funny would it be to just because this this has been happening more and more as as these are our favorite artists sometimes do this is they end up on TikTok and then people that are 19 and 20 are like you ever hear this band no doubt yeah. <laughs> they're like 48 but man they're great <laughs> yeah I've, I've heard that with a few i mean i think that's what happened with blink 182 is that people suddenly I, got really into them for again. sure yeah and, and then you get people that are just like who are these people who's making this big deal out of these people who are yeah. they and you just you know it opens it up I and mean, look at what just happened at the grammys with Tracy tracy chapman and luke combs like that just opened up a whole nother world of people that go, who was that person? On either side. They might have not known who Luke Combs was, and they might not have known who Tracy Chapman was. Or, and that just brings a whole nother dynamic that where people can get into that, into that world of that artist when they wouldn't, they wouldn't have otherwise. So, yeah, I mean, that's cool. I'd be cool to see if they actually get out there and do an album. Uh, all, right, all right, my Scott, number eight. You want to give us your number eight? Yeah. Yeah, I do. This is, this is for all. This is for the real sad boys. Um, <laughs> this was this was this was call out my name by the weekend and oh, man okay. did selena gomez hurt this guy's heart because most people know this as the album he wrote entirely about his breakup with selena gomez it was off oh, wow. his 2018 album dear melancholy and man did my guy abel get in his sad bag for this album because he he got some stuff off his chest this was like this was like week House of Balloons early mixtape weekend, but like pop star weekend from like a sonic standpoint. This was like when he really let it loose. This this album was explicitly about that. It was not I, I don't think her name came out in this, but everybody knew this to be these songs were this split with Selena Gomez. And it's just a very heartbreaking ode to losing someone and really feeling a certain way about it. Um, Musically for him, it was probably the most vulnerable he had been because a lot of his music was, you know, he's the, I don't want to say the playboy, but he was, it had that, that like kind of slick arrogance to it. And it had the, I get the women and I'm the guy. And this was the one where the weekend was sad <laughs> and he was, yeah. and he was crushed and, and you could tell, and it was public, which for somebody who had always been in the shadows for the early part of his career. This was the first time I think he publicly was with somebody that was that famous. And I think what all great musicians do when something like that happens, and you see it in movies as well, is you go make music. You, you go speak about it. You go write about it. Um, yeah, and it was just, it's, it's haunting. It's dark. The video's great because it's got crows and he's belting at the top of his lungs. And it, it, it's, there's, there's a couple lines in it that I think it's some of his best stuff as far as just not only just wording to be simple, like just lyrically, but it's how it comes across and how he sings it. And just to highlight a couple, um, he says, he goes, I want you to stay even though you don't want me, which is just brutal to listen to somebody say that, (laughs) which, you know, and it kind of on one level, you could say it sounds desperate, right? It's like, who would want somebody to stay there even if you don't love them, but you can hear, you can hear it in his voice. I mean, it's it's he's just reaching back for it and and then one of the best ones in it is he says why can't you wait till i fall out of love which is awful yeah and to hear somebody sing that and feel that and put that on a piece of paper and put that out into the world is really transparent and it's 
that that that's tough. That's a that's, that's a tough line to sit with. And I think the one that most people recognize, and I think this was the one that kind of lit up, you know, social media as was. He said, "I almost cut a piece of myself for your life," which directly alluded to Selena Gomez's transplant. And for an artist at that time who was that big, to you know whether true or not, I I would hope that was true on his part to put that in a song and con- for his consideration was. To say, look, I was in this, I was in this, I was in this to be in it, and I was there, and I was going to cut something out of my body and put it into yours to save your life. That kind of goes right into one of the last parts he says, and you can kind of see the tonal shift and how he goes throughout the song and how he builds these verses, because one of the last bits he wraps up with is, I was just another pit stop till you made up your mind and you just wasted my time. Hmm. And that's like dagger. Yeah. That's just like, a, that's like a knife in the shoulder blade. And... Nobody really has been better at than the weekend at getting really deep and dark with you know creating these kind of f- f- like kind of fuzzy and hazy drug induced party life arrogance you know type of guy or type of situations and this was really the first time he stepped out and was sad guy and was broken hearted and was angry and bitter and you can hear it all the whole album has these songs on it. Um, and not on this song, but there's another song on this album where um, he says, uh, I got a red pill to take the blues away. And it's that's kind of him back in his early weekend bag when he's getting back into like substances. But it's just it's tough. It's a tough album to listen to. It's only like seven or eight songs, but hmm. this guy was feeling it and he was going through it. Um, and these are the best type of songs. These, this, this is what I'll tell you what, this is one of those songs where, man, if I ever. If this came out when I was like in high school and you go through those rough relationships where you think they're more serious than they really are, I'm like, I probably would sit here and listen to this song 35 times, just probably sobbing away like an imbecile. But, you know, you feel it. And that that's what you want that yeah. music to do. And you can hear it. Well, you know, even the way you're describing the song, you know, he's going through different emotions through it, you know, talking about, you know, can't, can't you wait till I fall out of love? That's so relatable for a lot of people because breakups... Mm-hmm. It's not as common to have a breakup where it's mutual. When it is, that's fantastic. When you both are like, yeah, we're good. Like, I'm going this way. You're going to go this way. Great. Have a nice life. A lot of the times it's one person isn't feeling it and the other person still is. And, you know, it's tough to, you know, it's hard. It's hard for both people. It's hard to be that person that, you know, has to tell this other person that you once did care deeply for and then being the person who isn't out of love yet what do you do because you have this person that you want to be with and you sit there in your head for a while but then you also say something like you wasted my time and that that's like a whole different stage of the emotion where you're starting to get angry you're going through the angry phase of the healing process yeah and you know I, i i always think that's like a a deep burn that people don't mean when they say that i mean some people might mean it when they say you wasted my time and I'm sure there's situations it, it fits, but you know, when, when somebody says that it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's just that it's definitely an anger moment where people are just like, you know, you wasted my time, but really you didn't because you had this period, you grew together in that period of time and you just, you know, you had your time together and it shouldn't be considered wasted time. You know, that was a period of your life. You, you, it wasn't all bad. You hope, <laughs> I mean, there might be times it is, but yeah, it's, it, I don't, I don't ever see it as time wasted. You just, had these growing experiences with a person and you know sometimes it's time to have the growing experiences by yourself or with another person yeah and i i think the one thing and i know nobody i know for the most part nobody's gonna 
feel too bad about it because like, once again we're talking about massively popular rich musicians who turned out okay but they're still real people <laughs> they're still real people and they still go through yeah. very public relationships and every aspect of their life is photographed listened to watched mm-hmm. broken down scrutinized and when you had something as public as that you start realizing like they're human beings like that's a human yeah. being that felt that relationship and put it to a song and I just it's just I just think it's a brilliant thing that he did to make an album based off of this because that was was not very cool or acceptable for an artist of his caliber to do that and a lot of artists don't do that at all they just they don't make music like that and for him to give a whole range in one song of this love and loss and bitterness and then all, all like you said right up till the end where it's like just straight up sounds like anger and resentment is tough it's hard to get across mm-hmm. and he did it perfectly. So yeah, it's my number eight. Call out my name the weekend. All right. Uh, so my number eight comes from 2002. It was a combination that I would never expect. Uh, one person who did this really went out of their genre, I feel like to sing the song. So, you know, it, it was a little different, but I, I, I like, I like the lyrics of it. That was the big thing for me was I just think it had really powerful lyrics to it. And it's the Sheryl Crow Kid Rock picture. And for this one, you know, I think it's a, another relatable, relatable thing where two people break up and they're both seeing somebody new, but they still have a picture of the other one that they, you know, keep, keep somewhere nearby that's not publicly visible, but something that they have for them. And they miss, they both miss each other. And in the end, you know, they're, they're calling to reconnect and want to make the changes they both need to in order to make it work. and. You know, I, I, I have uh, people I know that have had to break up and then spend some time apart, and then they ended up back together and getting married and have a very beautiful life together now. So this is something I think is just really relatable, especially when you start to get into a more grown relationship that you just need to spend. You have that time together, but maybe you're just not at the right points in your lives together. And then you have a little time apart, and then you realize, you know, what you had. And, you know, if you can meet back in that middle, that's that's great. And, you know, it'll be probably stronger than ever if you both really are genuine and mean it so uh i like this song for that and just yeah just having it be a little bit different of a a breakup song for me that has that little optimistic happy ending that comes around to it yeah and uh just to tell like a little funny antidote um about cheryl crow is um and i know because i know he won't mind our buddy avi who does our theme music um and i tag him in these posts so he you know he's well aware he knows (laughs) that he's on it when we used to be at the shop, um, we would battle all the time because I just don't understand Cheryl Crow at all. And he loved Cheryl Crow. <laughs> and I never could tell if he did it as a bit, if he did it as a, you know, just to be funny, if he was kind of trolling. But I don't think he was. I think he was like loved Cheryl Crow. And I was always like, I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. It. <laughs> I don't understand Cheryl Crow at all. Yeah. You know, I don't know a lot of her music, so I can't fully base a lot of it. But the few songs I've heard from her, I think, are, are are decent. She has a nice voice to her. I really like the lyrics that she has in her songs. I, I do know with this song, there was something between the two artists where uh, Cheryl Crow wouldn't release her rights to something for Kid Rock to do something with it. So he's performed it with a lot of other female artists going forward. And I don't fully know. I, I, I didn't find the full story about what happened. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so I thought that was interesting too with the song. So he's performed it with multiple country singers. 
performed it with multiple uh, singers who have gone through The Voice or America's Got Talent, all that kind of stuff. Uh, or uh, what's that big one I'm I'm missing? American uh, Idol. Yeah, that show. Uh, so singers <laughs> from all those kinds of shows. <laughs> that small and then independent singers. show. <laughs> yeah, you know that that thing that you can vote on, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I. I, I, I don't know a lot of songs. I know the Soak Up the Sun song, I think, is hers, and mainly the big ones that have come out. But yeah, I think I think she's decent. I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit more and diving deeper into hearing. Avi, if you can give me some recommendations, please do. <laughs> I'll say, yeah, yep, you're going to have to ask him. He's the, uh, he's the Cheryl Crow believer. <laughs> All right, we're on, uh, what, number seven? Number seven. seven. All right, number seven. My number seven is Somebody Else by the 1975 who I absolutely love. I think is one of the best bands out They're a little, I don't want to say controversial. The Maddie Healy, the lead singers maybe talks too much these days and should do less of that. Um, but <laughs> other than that, this was, uh, I love them. I, I think they're incredible. I think they make some of the best, like real true pop music. I know pop music has always gotten a bad rap in the past for being yeah, mainstream, tacky, cheesy, all sorts of stuff, but true blue musicians, very, very Brit pop. Um, and they get a lot of their influence, you could tell, from you know guys like Cheers from Fears. And you can just hear the influences. Very synthy, but very rhythmic. Um, and this was from their 2016 album. Uh, one of the best album names ever. They're great at naming their albums. This album is called I Like It When You Sleep For You Are So Beautiful Yet So Aware Of It. Mm. Hilarious. Wow. Just why not put like 13 words in your album title? <laughs> um and I will say, I mean, not even because they're one of my favorite bands. I, in general, when I first kind of, I had been on them before this album came out, but I think this album was the one that like I was kind of all in on. Once I heard this, I was like, they're on a different level. What they're doing musically, they're just head and shoulders above the others. And this is probably one of, the, I think, the best like written pop songs in the last like 20 years. <laughs> this is just, this is how you craft an excellent pop song that just can be both popular can kind of be, I don't want to say like slept on, but I don't hear it enough when you're, when, you know, and maybe it's because they're from overseas that you don't hear them enough, you know, talked about with like big pop artists and rock slash like R&B, you know, pop bands, mm -hmm. but they're always there. They should be at the top of that list. Um, I just, I love what they do. <laughs> um, and from what I've read, you know, Maddie Healy talked about how this was basically written um, directly about you know, the after effects of a breakup and having to witness that person with somebody else. And you don't want to picture that. <laughs> yeah. It can be jealous and it could be the bitterness of a breakup. And it's also got a great music video. It's got kind of like a twist and a turn to it where it ends up being himself. And it's kind of, it's kind of funny, but it's, it's great. Um, and it kind of works through all those feelings you might experience post breakup and seeing that person that you've been with off with someone and who's not you and i think just the way he writes it is just perfect it's this is one of those that falls into my subgenre of this is a jam <laughs> and then you start <laughs> listening to it he's like oh man wait whoa yeah geez you know don't you, you want to be with somebody else you want to see your person with somebody else so yeah they got a couple songs like this in their bag they can reach down in it when they want i love this one though this is a this is a this is a jam but it's tough yeah you on the 1975 are you a fan or no I don't think I've heard anything by them. So here we go, Scott, with you educating there, me on music and things I need to listen back. to. <laughs> we're back. We always come. We always come back around. That's okay. That's just, okay. Just just discovering new bands in real time. 
You know, that's still one of my favorite things to do, though. Like, I, I love to go see live music. So when people are like, hey, do you like this band? I'm like, I don't know, but I'll go see them with you. I'm all about seeing live music and, and learning about new music. So, yeah, always open for new, new, new songs, new people, all stuff. Yeah, I mean, hey, this is, this is, you know, like we said, we were just talking before about No Doubt and being back at Coachella and see people are going to discover them. You might be one of these people discovering anybody on my list. <laughs> All right. Um, what you got? So my number seven, uh, it has similar themes to what you were talking about, you know, like seeing seeing your ex when you're still in the healing process and everything. Uh, but it's from 2010, and it's from an artist named Robin, and it's called Dancing on My Own. Yeah. Uh, and, and this song, the music video is like, kind of weird and you know going through those processes of you know being okay by yourself but also still a little pissed off and angry and just needing to get through this and you know you know it it, it goes through the, the dance scene of seeing your ex for the first time dancing with somebody else and you know we all I feel like we all experience that even even if you feel over a relationship the first time you see that person with somebody else and happy again you know they're they're in that that blooming phase again you know where everybody's courting each other in the start so you see them when they're in that nice phase of when you were together and it's hard to then remember the why you two ended because you're seeing that good side of them again somewhere uh but it also is you know like dancing is such a personal thing for a lot of people so you know having that dance partner and having that you know intimate moment of just dancing together is a huge deal so seeing something like that can be breathtaking in the moment and so being okay with dancing by yourself and I'm somebody who loves to dance so I if I'm in a bad mood dancing really helps me get happy again so I really like it but also you know th this music video is uh Robin goes through some angry dancing too of just like raging around this room and just needing needing to get it out and sometimes you just need to express yourself and get get that feeling out so I really like the song. Uh, I really liked the video that went with it. And, and I listened to Robin quite a bit when I was younger. Uh, so Ro Robin's a great artist. And I think, I think um, a British artist, Colm Scott, redid this song in recent years uh, from a different perspective. So it was, and that was pretty good too from what I remember listening to it. But yeah, number seven, Robin dancing on my own. You good? My dancing on your own over there? <laughs> Yeah, Robin, I mean, she's a legend. She's been around forever. So, yeah, that was my number seven. Robin's 2010 Dancing on My Own. Perfect. Yeah, good one. I love her. She's been around forever. Got some, got some classics in her bag. Yeah, um, I feel like she's one that doesn't get remembered either as well, and I, I wish she was. Yeah, she's, she's pretty slept on. Um, I'm going to go right from a legendary leading lady to another one um Ooh. my number six is back to black another amy amy winehouse yes nice tragically not around anymore but the music she left was much better than most music i hear today um <laughs> yeah from 2007 there was the title track from the same album back to black which is just a masterpiece album one of one nobody before her nobody sounds like her now Nobody could do what she did. Uh, obviously, people know that a lot of her music deeply was deeply came from her experiences for better and worse. Relationships were tumultuous and, you know, substance yeah. and just musically anything that was kind of 
going on for her, she put it in her music and you could tell. Um, this was directly inspired by her broken up you know, relationship at the time, who I'm forgetting his name and it doesn't matter, but he went directly uh, back to his ex. And um, this is Amy doing what she does best, writing deeply personal and tragic power ballads, but also very slick and, you know, slick tongue too, because she's known to, you know, drop some curse words in there and throw some shade and be passive aggressive and really makes it just personal and gives you that feeling mm-hmm. like she's been through it, you know? Um, yeah, she's just her. She really was, you know, this whole, you know, I, I think it, it might've been the whole album, but I know definitely the song was just brilliantly produced by Mark Ronson, who she had worked with quite a bit. And it's just got that classic 60 soul sound, almost Broadway-ish. You know, it can almost, it almost sounds like it could be like a one woman on stage type of play, the way she sang it. And a lot of that obviously is just the, the music she made and her, that iconic voice of hers. But yeah, I mean, and it manages to, you know, express feelings of sadness and depression, but, um, you know, she still, she kept her dignity in the opening lines, which I think are funny because one of the opening lines is kept his dick wet. <laughs> with with somebody else with an ex and but that's her you know that was that's that's the music she made and she wasn't she wasn't afraid to shy away from that and you know one of my favorite songs from her that wasn't i don't know not a breakup song but me and mr jones and you just those those great lines that she drops in these songs where nobody was really making that type of music you know you can hear it when she she dives right into that song you know and she says what kind of fuckery is this and it's like you're just like oh this is she's on a different, she was on a different level. She's just, nobody was making that kind of music and nobody was being that forward and that aggressive and that vulnerable. Yeah. And she could do a lot with just her voice. She didn't need this kind of grand operatic, you know, soundscapes behind her musically, but her albums are always perfectly produced and she knew how to, she knew how to write and she knew how to put this stuff forward. And back to black is just very, I think it's more haunting and tragic because she's not around, but even when it was out, it was like, wow, that's, that's a deep cut and nobody's yeah. better at it than her. I think that's, I, I think it, it gives more shock value too when a woman is vulgar in songs instead of mm-hmm. a man. And people are like, wait, well, what? But it's better. I, yeah, I love it. <laughs> and yeah, just seeing, seeing more women artists, you know, not always having to be vulgar either, but just like being, being willing to say things that, you know, weren't typically considered something a woman should be singing about was, is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, I again, she was one of those artists that kind of challenged that notion and pushed the boundaries. And to what you alluded to in the beginning was like, she wasn't just going to write like sad girl songs and write it from the perspective of I'm brokenhearted and I'm this and that. She's she's vulgar. She didn't care. She was like, this is it. This is what it is. This is why I feel like writing. And take it or not, take it or leave it. And yeah, it's one of my favorite albums too. She was great. I love love Amy Winehouse. Back to Black, number six. You know, Scott, I've heard Amy's are very rebellious. Yeah, you gotta watch out for them. They got the dark side. <laughs> They're just emo girls at heart. <laughs> I mean, that's very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so my number six comes from 2022. A little bit of a change up here from, from some of the music from my younger years. Uh, and this is by a group that I don't know much about them, but I really liked this song. And it's the Winnetka Bowling League, and they sang this song with Demi Lovato, and it's titled Femi, which is short for Fuck It, I Miss You. And I don't know, Scott, have you heard this song before? No, but I'm intrigued. Okay, so 
they they talked about how this song it's inspired by you know multiple real life breakups they just kind of you know put it all together the lyrics are a little weird which is something i really like about it too like it, it opens up with uh at a french theme party where no one spoke french you turn to me and say hey how american and it's just these two people make this instant connection that way of like yeah like yeah i get you yeah i get you and you know but then it goes into this this thing of like you know like they're you're kind of having this memory of this of that that meeting time and you know you're really thinking about it and wow like you know i really miss you and that's part of the the, the healing process too of going from having a person and being with them and then having to not have them and you know you're trying to figure out what it's like to be your own person without a there's no more us it's just a me or an i and so trying to figure out in that moment uh and you know demi lovato got interviewed after she joined into the song too i guess uh i read somewhere i don't know if this is accurate or not but that demi lovato had saw something about this song on uh, that they were putting together on tiktok really dug it and was like hey i like it i'll come in too and they're like okay so <laughs> so then they got this mashup going on um and in an interview she was talking about you know how she likes to talk about the past. She doesn't neglect the past and how she felt in it. And she just likes to wear her lyrics on her sleeve to show you what she's been through. So, you know, it's, the, it's just that, that feeling of, you know, we all have these scars or these moments that they live with us and we, you know, we reflect on them and sometimes they reflect on us and how people see us in a different time. And, you know, somebody might see me today and in a year from now, I'm going to be a, a whole different person. They're going to remember who I was a year ago you know so like you know it, it, it kind of like how you're changing over time too with it so yeah the the lyrics are super simple in this song but i just i really like it and the the beat of it is a little bit different too the way the song sounds so so i, I like that too it's a it's it's a decent one scott I'm yeah you a song that you've never heard you should go listen to it <laughs> i will i'll check it out yeah i mean and like i said i'm not i wouldn't say i'm like an active demi listener but she yeah she's she's put it out there she's very she's been out there personalizing a lot of her songs and she's been through quite a bit and she's been very vocal about it and it's reflected in a lot of her songs and yeah, it's not easy to make those songs like on like you said i mean it's it's easy to get out there and write some kind of generic stuff but to put you know your tumultuous relationships or your personal struggles in these songs and let it rip is not easy, but it's definitely it's why she has as loyal of a fan base as she has. I mean, you know, they, you can, you can get attached to that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll check it out. I'm always a sucker for new music. Good or bad. <laughs> all um, right. Kick us off right. on our top five, Scott. Oh, number five. One of my favorite artists ever. Probably I'd say in the, like, probably one of the most just beautifully written songs ever. Um, it's Show Me Love by Laura Mvula. Okay. You know who Laura? You know who Laura is? I feel like I've heard this song. So and this I'm not is from her. It with Robin's version of Show Me Love. No, <laughs> no, it's definite, definitely <laughs> not. It's the opposite end of Robin's Show Me Love. Um, she is a British singer songwriter, just powerhouse vocalist. Um, this is from her 2016 album, The Dreaming Room very very underrated and it's a very confessional ballad for her she wrote it about the ending of a relationship and again it sounds like a simple title show me love right but reading about her making this and it being from a very bittersweet ending of a relationship is 
it's got both of those. It's like, you know, she says in the song, you know, you, you showed me love of the deepest kind. And, but then towards the end, she's, as it's kind of, it's got this great operatic feel to it. And it's, um, as it's kind of building it to, it's like kind of crescendo. It's just her refraining the show me love, but in these different cadences and some of it's low and some of it's high and every single one is giving off a different emotion just by her singing show me love and it's it's just like it's not that's not easy easy to do you know you, you wow. a lot of songs you know you're gonna get a whole different they're gonna get creative with the words or they're gonna get you know get tricky with it or get funny or tongue-in-cheek but she's not that type of artist she's she's straight up and the way she conveys it is just brilliant yeah and i mean it's, it's just it's just a great song about wanting to feel you know like that presence and appreciating love that was shown as as opposed to always reflecting on after the fact. Yeah, like I said, she's got that great like orchestral buildup in her voice. It's there's not it's not even a ton musically. It's it's a very soft ballad and it's very kind of light and airy, but kind of this orchestra that kicks in and her voice takes over is just out of here. Um she's one of the most slept on underrated artists that exists. One of my favorite artists, her most recent album was like a tribute almost to her relationship with Prince. And it was a very bright and 80s pop um, album called Pink Noise. Just incredible. Just to show her range, you know, it's um, she's excellent. So I love this. I think it's one of like the best songs written ever. It's it's like hard not to listen to it and feel both like optimistic because of the way she sings some of it. And then the other parts of it, you're like, you're like, this is like tear inducing. This is like, this is a hard song to listen to, but it's great. Um, Yeah. This is my number five. Show me love. Laura Mula. Did she pick a color other than purple because of Prince? Pink noise. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) Not purple. (laughs) Nope. Not purple. All right. uh, So my number five, it, it was originally released in 1987, but then it came out again in 1990 with a popular movie that came out. And it's the song called It Must Have Been Love by Roxette. And this song was on the Pretty Woman soundtrack, which really kicked it off a lot more in 1990. And I didn't realize this, but the song has a subtitle to it called uh, Christmas for the Brokenhearted. So the whole music video and what the song's about is breaking up on a day in winter. And so, you know, you got that cold season, you got that oh, yeah. cold feeling of a breakup. and yeah, you know, the lyrics about it just, it, you know, it, it sounds like it's somebody who's reflecting on what was going on in the relationship because, you know, they felt it was love, but it's over now. And go, trying to go through, like, all the things of, you know, comparing what it was like when you were with that person versus now. And the first, the first verse talks about, you know, when you wake up and there's nobody laying on the other side of you anymore. And that's when it's real because, you know, you don't have somebody sharing that once a joint bed you're now by yourself on your pillow and it hits you and just you know i feel like i feel like people you you love everyone differently as you go through life and so you know you, you think about when you break up with somebody or somebody breaks up with you was that really love or was it just you know something i convinced myself of and what is love and you start to go into all these like philosophical things about love and then just trying to come to the reality of, yeah, it's over and I need to just accept it and continue on. Uh, and I think I think this song plays in Pretty Woman when they go their separate ways and you think they're breaking up. 
and all that too. So it was a it was a good pick for that that movie and also just a, a great song. Yeah, great movie, great song. That could have been a needle drop. It might still be a needle drop, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Although yeah. my pages of, of needle drops has to be the longest I have in my notebook right now. Long. Some of these might be needle drops in movies. I don't know. I didn't even double. Mm-hmm. I didn't even check that. But oh, I'm sure yeah, they are. It could be. Yeah, that's a, that's a great pick. Great, great part in the movie. Great. That's a great soundtrack, too. Yeah, I feel like that's where I used to find a lot of love songs and breakup songs was when they were in movies. And I'm like, oh, what is this song? I've never heard this. Who's this artist? And that's sure. when I start to learn about a lot of these songs. Yeah, that goes right to my number four. Um, yeah. This is definitely maybe the my favorite and best version of upbeat, funky groove with some really sad, dark lyrics. Um, it's Don't Turn the Lights On by Chromio. You a Chromio fan? I don't know the artist, but this is another song. I feel like I've heard of this song if I have not so, actually heard the song. Chromio is a uh, uh, funk duo from Canada and... All sorts of, they got hip hop influence, rock, funk, R&B. They kind of blend it all. They're just, nice. they're awesome. And, they're, and they don't do this a lot. They don't, they don't make a lot of songs that don't have you wanting to move and are upbeat and positive and optimistic and partying. And, the, but lyrically, this is one of the ones where you listen to it on first, first listen, you're just like, oh, this is a banger. This is like, you're in. This is like club music. It's like you're at summer, you're at a party, you could throw this on. You're like, yeah, this is a jam. And then when you really start getting into it, you start like reading it. And it's got this really funny video, which I don't know if it really helps the message, but they're, the, the video is just kind of really quirky and it, the lights kind of go on and off. But the actual song really is just about a broken relationship. And it's kind of could almost even be further than a broken relationship. It could almost be like, it could almost be referring to like a tragic loss, like that, like a loved one had possibly passed away. I don't know if that is the case because I, it's, it was a little bit hard to kind of figure out what the exact influence was for it. But yeah, when you listen to it, it's, it's just about loss and perhaps where you just can't get through it without um, wanting to see that person. And you don't want to, you know, don't turn the lights on. You don't want to see that person. And part of that, you know, part of the lyrics in the song is, you know, because you want to, you know, don't want to see it in the dark. Again, subgenre, upbeat, funky songs, great lyrics. One, probably two of the best parts of this is lyrically, and it's again, it's so funny to hear. I don't know if funny is the right word, but to hear lyrics against when you're just sitting there listening to a super, super funky song is, um, you know, he opens with "There must be another way" when she's gone to a better place, and it's like gone to a better place. And it kind of makes you do like a double check. You're like, oh, that could just mean, you know, they broke up. She moved on. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like beautifully vague. Because then you're also like gone to a better place. Like, like what is that? Um, and he starts off another verse by saying another walk to take and another lonesome evening spent without you there. And when you're hearing it, it's just I you're sitting there. You're just grooving the whole time because like the it just song keeps you moving. And you're like, this is sad. <laughs> like, this is like a really sad song. These are really yeah. sad lyrics and um and then another great lyric he drops is only those who hurt you will say patience is a virtue because it's been so long and it's like i'm like man dude and you know even just the way he, he even there's there's just a part where he even delivers like i can't think he says like i can't think about it and i can't figure it out and it's like he kind of sounds it's, it's tough but again against that funky backdrop it's 
I love the kind of push and pull of those, those songs that kind of keep you moving, but are really about some sad shit that you might just, you know, like you said, like almost like Robin's kind of dancing through it. It's like, that's it. It's like, that's a, that's like my favorite versions of those songs. Um, And you just, like I said, you just don't get a lot of that from Chromio. They're not known for that. They're not known to kind of really go in their kind of their sad bag, but this was one of my favorites from them. The Funk Lords of Canada, Chromio, don't turn the lights on. Yeah, so I I love the irony of some of those kinds of songs, too, where it's like really a beat and you're like, yeah, I feel happy. But then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, ooh, should I be this happy in this moment? And like giddy and dancing? I don't know. Oh, this is kind of dark. And you start to to get like that mixed emotion bag going on. Yeah, and I mean, too, it's like just that it's just got that great tone of like, obviously with the song being called Don't Turn the Lights On, but it's just got that great tone of like, is it somebody that's really gone, gone? Or is it, you know, hey, don't turn the lights on because I, you know, want to see you in the dark and I want to be able to not let go of that vision that I have. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a, you know, if they would have made this like a straight up R&B song, it might not hit as much. It might not hit like that or be as fun or even as memorable, but they, these guys are just super, super funky and incredible musicians. So yeah, I love that one. Don't turn the lights on. My number four. All right. So number four. Uh, so my number four also comes from the Pretty Woman soundtrack, and it's Go West, oh. King of Wishful Thinking. Oh, my goodness. So, Go West. I like this. Yeah, what an iconic okay. song. <laughs> so. Banger. Okay. I love this song. The music video is weird AF. So weird. It's so weird. Like, they get a fake Richard Gere and a fake Julia Roberts to try to, like, just reenact them just moving around a limousine in in this white room. It's worth watching the video once and being like, what the fuck did I just watch? But Bizarre. The, the song is good, though. <laughs> if you don't watch great the video, song. just listen to the song. And, you know, this is one of those where it's, like, has that more upbeatness to it and someone trying to be op- optimistic about trying to get over somebody and you know convincing themselves they're going to get over this they know they will but they also call themselves the king of wishful thinking so they know they're being optimistic and you know they may get over it someday but it's not going to be today and it's definitely not tomorrow so you know just trying to be optimistic and remind yourself that you just take a little time you'll get through this you'll get over this someday you'll notice you're over it and we've all been there you know like, oh, I'm never going to get over this person. I'm never going to get over this person. And then one day you're over this person and you just have that indifference after that. And it, that's such a free feeling. So I, I, I like this song for that optimism of, you know, like someday it'll happen, but maybe not today. And I'll just keep being that wishful thinker and not watch the I, music video again. <laughs> I know that they get looked at as like one hit wonders and maybe they are. But this song is a incredible and B, I can't get the parody video that Paul Rudd and Jimmy Fallon did <laughs> and making fun of the video, which honestly was probably better than the actual video. Yeah. But watching Paul Rudd just completely commit to the bit and them making fun of go West is like it, hilarious. Honestly, it made the song better because you watch it. You're like, oh, there's yeah. the cheesiness and the, and the, um, just absurdity that went on in some of these eight, those eighties videos where it just had nothing to do with the song or if it did it was like you would really have to ex- mm-hmm. like stretch the explanation but yeah that's i love that come on who doesn't like that song and you know what like i, I get like maybe maybe there was something with rights and they couldn't reuse pieces of the movie or like you know they couldn't afford richard gear and julia roberts at that time to come in but then maybe 
do the video something different. I don't know if like they were told they couldn't, but they had to figure it out. <laughs> you know, like where this video came from, I don't know, but you know, the song itself is fantastic. Incredible. <laughs> and made my number four. <laughs> Incredible. That's that's a great one. I love that song. That's just that's like a grocery store song. That's like one of the songs you always hear in the grocery store and you're like, that's go west. That's King of Wishful Thinking. I love that. Yeah, I love that song. That's awesome. No shame in the game on that one. Well, I'm <laughs> top really three, Scott. Yeah, I'm really going the complete opposite direction here of uh, Go West. So we talked a little bit about this before we started this episode about how some of these were going to really earn the explicit tag. And um, this is definitely my pick for that. This is the actual title. Um, and it's from the 1995 classic album Brown Sugar by D'Angelo. And the song is called Shit Damn Motherfucker. Okay. There's a lot to unpack and it is, there. It, there is a lot to unpack. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it, it, it this is another one that could kind of, I mean, D'Angelo's hands down probably my top one or two favorite artists ever. His album Voodoo is like all time. And I love him because he makes an album every like 15 years, which is, you know, tough to be a super fan and wait 15 years. But you get song, you just get classics like this. And this was his debut album. And um, this is a darker take on a breakup song because it ends in a homicide of him catching his wife cheating with his best friend. And and the lyrics really reflect that. But it, the way anybody else would make this song and it sounds bad, it sounds cheap and forced or too angry and aggressive. But because he's got this just incredibly smooth voice and it's melodic and he's, you know, playing the, you know, he's playing the piano and it's just got that jazzy breezy feel to it. It comes across as more of like a soap opera crime story. Like, Oh, he could almost perform this on stage in front of like a theater and everybody would be clapping at the end, you know, it'd be like, Oh wow. What a great, you know, it's kind of like a one man's play the way it kind of comes out. But um, yeah, I mean it, the lyrics, like just to, again, just to highlight, he, it opens with, you know, why are you sleeping with my woman? And he's talking to his best friend. But it's really kind of like a slow draw. And it's the way he kind of plays it out. And he's basically talking to his best friend that he caught. And as the song progresses, it kind of goes from shock and then, you know, denial and kind of like a how could this be? Um, and then it kind of goes to like a set of questions where he's, you know, he does like a why are you? And then goes into like something else. And it's basically what he's going to do, which is a double homicide. And towards the end of the song, he says, why are the both of you bleeding so much? And then the last question is, why am I in handcuffs? And it's just like, and the song is just, it's like I said, it's, it's incredible. It's one of my favorite songs. He actually performed this um, live at the Montreux Jazz Festival. And to hear him do it like live on stage, you could just feel like the smoky haze of it. It's very noirish. And it, this could almost be like a short film. This could be like a 12 minute short film. And it'd be as masterful as it is as a song. Um, this whole album is just great in general, but... I mean, what a title, right? Shit Damn Motherfucker by D'Angelo, my guy. Yeah, I feel like that short film thing was kind of a, a popular genre for a while for music where it wasn't just the song. There was like a whole story you're watching. So it almost turned into like a little bit of a musical, but just a scene from a musical that you're watching. Yeah, yeah. And you definitely, definitely in like the late, the mid to late 90s, you had a lot of those music videos, especially within like hip hop and R&B where they were becoming almost like mini movies. But yeah, he never, I don't even, honestly, I don't even know if this had, I don't even think this had a video. If it did, it's, I, it's a, it wasn't one of the most popular ones. He had Brown Sugar and Cruise In and mm -hmm. Jones in My Bones and some of the great ones from, from that era. But, um, yeah, like I said, this is just, it's just like, just anybody else would make the song and you're just like, ah, it's, it's like too aggressive or it's 
cheaper. Doesn't sound as sincere, but the way he plays it is like it's like a written script, and it could it could have very easily been like just a great crimey soap opera love story gone horribly wrong that ends up with somebody in jail and two people dead. Um, that's what I love about music and art that can do that. So yeah, it's my number three, D'Angelo's shit damn motherfucker. Just to say it one more time. Just to say it again. Just to say it again. <laughs> All right. Uh, so my number three comes from My Girl Pink. It was released in 2012. It's Blow Me One Last Kiss. And this is, an, this is one of those where it's like, when, when you're in that moment of the breakup where you just need something to, to get you upbeat again and know that what you did was the right thing to do and that you're here for a reason. And look, looking into the song a little bit, I guess the lyrics were partly inspired by her year separation from her husband and then also a little bit of frustrations from other differences that happen in situations of love and life uh, over time, which, you know, a lot of, a lot of that stuff starts to get entangled with each other as you're having it be experienced. And the music video is a pink crashing wedding of an ex, which is something I've never thought about doing. But, you know, I, I feel like a lot of us ha have an ex where we're like, somebody's marrying that person and you hope they're a different person but you're just also like ooh, cringe um but you know i, I wouldn't be the type to, to break up a wedding like if you want to do it uh, have fun but <laughs> uh you know a lot of the the lyrics can be so relatable you know to, in, in the start she's talking about how hanging on too tight trying to not let go of this relationship trying to really grasp onto whatever is left in it and then suddenly you realize that it's it's time to stop crying, stop feeling all these emotions, and time to just blow that kiss goodbye and say peace. And you know it is what it is. And Pink Pink's had a lot of songs. I feel like Pink songs have just grown with me over the years because I I still love the deep cuts of Pink, like There You Go and Most Girls from her early albums, and then the stuff from her new her newer stuff. I feel like connects with me more as a grown up. And so it's just been cool to grow with her over time but yeah i really i really like the lyrics to this song especially and just you know calling out what you're what you're feeling but also what you're thinking at the same time and just trying to get it all out in in this one bit of of word vomit so that you can blow that kiss goodbye and walk away you can kind of almost sense too because pink has that very kind of forward you know kind of take no shit attitude approach to in life and her music that 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 title you almost get the sense it started as something else mm -hmm. and it kind of she extended you know the words to the title and then it could kind of be a very passive aggressive tongue-in-cheek title and i don't know if that was the case but she's the type of artist that can i think can get away with that type of thing where you're like you're like what does that title mean it's like you chose to name it that for a very specific reason and yeah she's great she can do that Speaking of the titles that maybe are a bit passive aggressive, your number two, uh, Scott. My number, two, my my number two. Speaking of very tongue in cheek, what could be sincere was probably equal parts sincere and loving, and and equal parts uh, bitter and resentful and passive aggressive. And it's uh, my number two is "I Met a Little Girl" by Marvin Gaye. Now, okay. this was from his 1978 now classic double album here my dear when it came out it was not very classic he was going through a very very tumultuous divorce from uh the very famous barry gordy of motown's uh older sister anna gordy hmm. and it was 
not going well. And um, she sued for him being behind on child support. And as they were going through this split, you know, it was very famously told that uh, Marvin Gaye's lawyer basically said, listen, go into the studio, make an album. And instead of you having to catch up on all this back pay, which you're not going to be able to do or being thrown in jail, go in and make an album and she'll get royalty payments from the album. Um, And obviously Marvin Gaye being a very true, deep artist that he is, like most artists are going to be very personally attached to their work. He didn't want to go in and do that, but he did. And I think he intentionally went in to make a yeah, and I think he spoke about this a couple times in some interviews where he went in to make a bad album and he went in to make a very shitty album. He didn't care. He was just going to kind of mail it in, let it go out and kind of pull like a very petty move to be like, you know what, I'm just going to make this and I'm going to get it done with it. It's going to suck and nobody's going to like it or care about it. And he said as he got going, it just all that emotion and all those feelings came out of tenderness and love in the early days of that relationship and when it was good and when it was rough but kind of rebounded all the way up to when they split and were divorcing and albums like it's a double album so it's long but it's 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 intentionally long and Hmm. the thing that i love about this album is that it was one of him being a motown artist in his early days motown pumped these albums out so when you go back and listen to them they don't have a personal touch to them there are a lot of covers and they all kind of sound like very unapologetically motown But when you get into the albums where these artists and Marvin Gaye was obviously one of the biggest versions of this, where they started making the music they wanted to make, they they were hit or miss. But here, my dear, especially because of it was very much a life imitating art and art imitating life was people didn't react well to it at first. And it took some time and then 20, 30 years, 15 years, you know, whatever removed from it. They look back and go, oh, my God, this was like nobody was doing that these people nobody was making music where they were putting like the worst parts of their life into their music or into their albums and this album did that over what 18 20 song and maybe even more than that and it's at times like very melodic and very Mm -hmm. saccharine and very r&b and it's got doo-wop-y feel to it and this song this song has like a very doo-wop kind of whistle and snap type of feel to it and um you know and like i said initially he just he didn't care even if this was good but he knew as an artist he was going to go in the studio and make the album he wanted to make and he figured i'm here i might as well pour it out and you can sense even in the yeah you could sense even in the title of the song i met a little girl you could sense like you can just when you listen to the album you can take that album title and you can feel like part of him was like i met this little girl one time who we were both young and we fell in love and it was great. And the song reflects that. But then there's that other side of it where he's basically being dismissive and saying, I met this little girl who was immature and, you know, had issues with, and, you know, for, for better or worse and who's wrong or right. He was more of the problem than she was. It's like that all of that's in the music. Um, And uh, it kind of goes through the stages of meeting, being married, divorcing. It's sweet. It's condescending. It's bitter. (laughs) It's, (laughs) It's kind of all those things. And he even calls out years. Yeah, he even calls out years. Like he'll say in the 1970, he says, does that like a couple times where, and then he (laughs) sings about that moment in his life and what their relationship was like. I almost, I I didn't, I I was going to use it as an honorable mention, not this song, but there was another song on this album called Is That Enough? And that's really where he's like petty and uh, bitter. And again, with the title, I love the titles. Like, is that enough? And he's basically, it was like, how and he even says in the song is that enough to keep you happy and uh he makes a note in a different song that he says you know is i 
it's something about alimony and he says, is that enough? And it's, it's, that's a joke. And then he says, I need a smoke. And you could just hear it in his voice throughout these songs. It's, it's just high, low, medium. And the fact that he was able to do that and put that into not only this song, but this entire album. And again, I love the titles, the title of the album here, my dear, it's like, take it. It's, it's, it's sweet because it's also a lot of these things are like, here, I gave it, I'm, I'm giving, I'm here, here for you. But because of the way it ended and because of what he had to go through, naming that album here, my dear, and making it where it's a statue, the cover is a statue in front of like a courthouse. And he's saying here, take it, like, take everything I have. It's, it's incredible. It's incredible to listen to. And it's just amazing at that time that an artist of his caliber was willing to put all of that, a lot of it into this song, but into a a double album Mm -hmm. and potentially give up all your royalties to pay back child support. And just, you just like those, those stories and music, feel like they're a hundred years ago. You might hear, you know, you hear the breakup songs, obviously you hear the songs where relationships didn't go well, but those types of scenarios, I just, I don't think you hear anymore. I, I really don't. And uh, one of my favorite albums, I know, you know, it's, this is one of the, probably the ones where I think when I first found this album, it's kind of the ones where I, and maybe you have these two where it's something that maybe people didn't talk about much or they didn't like. But when you listen to it, you immediately loved it. You're like, why don't people like this? This is incredible. This is like very vulnerable and personal for an artist to put out. But, you know, it's like when we get stuff of its time and what, in 1978, this came out. People knew him from, you know, what, what's going on and sexual healing and let's get it on and distant lover. And, and, you know, that those are incredible. And I love all that stuff. But this was the album where I was like, this is, this is my guy. I love that. So yeah, it's my number two. I met a little girl. Marvin Gaye. Nice. Yeah, that's that's a whole era of music that, you know, lives on. It's so good. The best. The best. They just they just did it different back then. They just put it all out there. Weren't afraid to be vulnerable, that's for sure. Number two. All right. What you got? Number two. Uh so this is a newer song. Well, new ish, twenty twenty one. Uh and it's by Billie Eilish. It's called Happier Than Ever. And I really like this song. It starts out really mopey and softer and sad you know almost like somebody just like reflecting on a time and and understanding you know i didn't think that i would be happy without you but i realize i i am and you know it really sucks that i feel this way and i wish i didn't feel this way and you know as as the song goes on though you know as they're they're trying it sounds like somebody's just trying to like you know, lay it out in this this nice way that we're told, like, oh, you know, keep your cool and just 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 be be nice through situations, be nice to everybody. But then suddenly, about halfway through the song, it starts to get a little bit of a beat and it starts to get more of like like a rager in the song. And I just love that transition from like this this soft, very light sounding song to you know, I'm I'm feeling happier than ever and this is great. To you know what. I am happier than ever, but also F you. <laughs> like, like, you know, you weren't good for me. This was toxic. And just trying to work through that. And, you know, it, it's, it's great because we live in this era now where everybody puts everything on the internet. And so, yeah. you know, nothing is, is kept private anymore. And, and for me, you know, that, that was something that was an adjustment to um, in past relationships of just, you know, I, I'm somebody who likes to, to be more private about my relationships, but I didn't always see people who like to do that so when people put it out on the internet it's all like oh shit what like you know how do you how do you work through that and um you know she has lyrics in it where she says i don't talk shit about you on the internet never told anyone anything bad because that shit's embarrassing you are my everything 
and all that you did was make me fucking sad. So don't waste the time I don't have and don't try to make me feel bad. And, you know, it, it, hearing this song, it's great stuff. think about that. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody heals in a different way. And I, I try to, I try to look at it that way in the nicer perspective of, of respecting that. But also, you know, there's no need to put your shit out on the internet, people. It's very self-serving, <laughs> like, like, I think. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, like getting that, that guilty thing. And, like, then suddenly people, you know, there are other people that will then suddenly make personal attacks at the other person. And, you know, that, then it, it draws them back in. So, like, when you talk about wasting time, then, yeah, that, that's a moment. It's already over and you're wasting their time. That is wasting of time. <laughs> uh, and so... Yeah, just like, you know, at the end, getting that rager out and realizing, you know, this is it's time you ruined all the good things. And now I'm living for the moment by myself and just leave me alone. And it just it was like that great closure that she has at the end of the song where, you know, it started out with just, you know, accepting that you're happier now, but then realizing, you know, yeah, here's my closure. This is right. And I feel like when you have that aha moment and, you know, when you're in the healing process, suddenly you're just good. I feel like, I feel like it's a quick transition too, from when you're going through those long period of healing stage. And then suddenly one day it's like, yeah, I'm good. And that's what the song makes me think of. Do you, do you think that Billy has the, uh, the, the kind of unanimous crown of sad girl music? Uh, not necessarily. Cause I don't think, I don't I wouldn't say it's all sad girl. I feel like it's more it's more this is what everyone's thinking and just doesn't want to say it out loud, but you know, let it out when you need to. I think it's more like that um you know, I don't want to stereotype women, but I feel like it's it's a common thing for women to be more bottlers and hold a lot of stuff inside because we're 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 taught to, you know, you know, be a lady, be a lady, and it's just a way of like, you know, sometimes you need to speak your emotions, you need to feel it, you need to say it it's okay to say it. And that's why I really like Billie Eilish because she really, she pushes those limits. And I, I like seeing younger, younger generations be so interested in her. Um, and just, yeah, I, I, I'm here for it. I, I would love to see, see more of that. Uh, people being comfortable talking. I've had to grow out of being a bottler. I used to be a bottler too. So um, being more comfortable talking about your emotions and what's going on and, being able to call somebody out too. And yeah, that's okay. one of my favorite things. Sometimes you just got to let it rip. Yeah. Yeah, she's in just one of the best songwriters we currently have making music too. So I mean, that's again that that's going to be reflected in you know those experiences, and you know she she does it better than most. That's why she's winning Grammys for songwriting. <laughs> yeah, she's great. Yeah, she's a lot of genres get attached to her too. Like when I was when I was looking into the song a little bit more to see, you know, where it may have come from. She gets attached to alternative rock and emo, but also pop, pop punk and blue-eyed soul. So she just she's just crossing a lot of boundaries too, which is pretty awesome. I'm sure artists don't like this as much, but I kind of love when an artist comes out and people can't put them in a box. So they're like, oh, they're mm-hmm. neo soul funk blues rock. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, but that speaks, that speaks to somebody's eclectic, you know, output, output really. And, and what she brings to the table. I mean, it's hard to put her in a box. Like it's, you know, and honestly, even though, like I said, like even though Chromium, like when I mentioned them, like sure, a lot of their music is funky. It's upbeat. It's positive. It's happy. It's their grooves. <laughs> they're great musicians, but like, 
I don't know, they're funk, but they're also R and B. They're melodic. They mm-hmm. he can kind of he can sing, and like you know, the other half of Chromio is an incredible musician, and who doesn't sing and does just eat, but he's a producer, and but they also have a hip hop influence, and mm-hmm. they talk about a lot of these soul artists that they grew up listening to, and you can hear you can hear like the Sly and the Family Stone influences, and and Gap Band, and it's just, I love artists like that when you you just you can't box them in. It's it's very hard yeah. to end. And Billy's definitely one of those artists. It's like, I don't know what that, like, when I hear a lot of her music, like, it's funny to say, like, kind of like sad girl music, but <laughs> it, it's, it, it's, it's hard. It, it's hard to put that. It's, it's cause it's like, yeah, she does have a ton of different influences and she's uniquely has, she uniquely has her own sound and that's not easy to do, especially not at that age. Makes me think, uh, even with, with Aerosmith's crying, I think uh, Steven Tyler got interviewed one time, and he's like, yeah, we kind of made this song country, but then we Aerosmithed it. And it's just so funny <laughs> to think about it. In that yeah. Way of like, I couldn't you know, even imagine the, that being country. <laughs> I know. I know, but there are so many country breakup songs and love songs. They make up a big, big genre of it. So, you know, yeah. I kind of get where he's coming from with it, but I just love the way he's like, yeah, we just Aerosmithed it a little bit, and, you know, you got something better. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to attach to you saying sometimes, you know, you got to just let it out and speak and let it rip. And that's going to be my number one is uh, somebody who I remember this coming out when I was in about eighth grade. I was a massive and still am massive fan of the production duo, the Neptunes, Pharrell Williams, Chad Hugo. Any their, their sound just blew my mind in 1998, 1999. It, it was so different. It was weird, spacey electronic but it was like really grimy hip-hop but they were nerds they were band nerds and they skateboarded and they talked about weird shit and but they made hip-hop music and they brought their first ever and only solo female artist and it was Khalees and the song is caught out there Mm. and I can't stress I cannot stress enough how underrated and how slept on Khalees is and the fact that so many artists that came after her that tried to do this thing. When Khalees came out, she put the song out. She was probably 19 when they record when she recorded it. She was probably 20 when it came out. It was off her debut album, Kaleidoscope. I I I lo- I loved this album. And I remember at the time being like just blown away. I was like, who the fuck is this? This young, wild woman with this bright, curly orange hair, and she's screaming, but she has this smoky, raspy voice and there was kind of parts in the song where she's just talking and it sounds like she's talking through it in real time. But then she, the, you know, the famous chorus is I hate you so much right now. And she's just screaming. There's part of the, the video where she's just has herself in a straight jacket and nothing sounded like this before. And nobody has made this sense. And a lot of artists came after her, tried to do that. Um, rap, R and B punk rock, angry, aggressive chick kind of shtick And like, they failed. Nobody could do that. Mm-hmm. She was really like a one of one. And she's always been kind of, there's been a lot of artists that have bit her style and didn't pay the dues and it didn't come off as well as she did. But it's just a song full of anger, rage, just loaded with emotion. And this was a power anthem for scorned women. I mean, at this time when you had a lot of uh, R&B artists and you had, you know, you had your fair share of female rappers and she's not a rapper. Obviously, she's a singer. But this was right back to what we were just saying. It was like, what? You can't even put this in a box. It had this funky, spacey, otherworldly production by the Neptunes. 
who were the hottest producers in the game. This was their artist. She was only 19, like I said, 19, 20. Mm -hmm. And she was out there just screaming and yelling and screaming the chorus. I hate you so much right now. And and I just remember when this album came out and when this song came, came out in the video, I was like, this is it. Like I was like, this blew my mind. I was like, I don't ever remember hearing anything that sounded like this. Khalees now is very much into farming and food and healthy living. And I follow her Instagram and she is just a very stunningly attractive, healthy leading lady. And uh, I hope she gets back to making more music. I think she is. And but every album that came after this was always different. She was always pushing boundaries. She was always trying to do something unique and new and kind of that wasn't out there. And this was it. You couldn't go 10 feet without hearing Khalees screaming, I hate you so much right now. And I think this really became kind of the power anthem for women that stopped giving a fuck and wanted to get out there and be like, you know what? Time to lead the way. And and I think there was even, there was a great part in the video where she's kind of basically leading a group of women through the street. Nobody's doing this. Nobody was making this. Nothing sounded like it. One of my favorite albums, very, very slept on underrated artists. So I had to put that number one only because as much as I love Marvin Gaye and in another world, I met a little girl would probably be my number one. I remember I was in like seventh or eighth grade, I think eighth grade, maybe when this came out, I was all in on anything the Neptunes touched. And I just loved that They were like, we got this 19, 20 year old from Harlem and it fit that sound. They were unique and they were trying to be different. And they were like, look at what we got. Here you go. And Khalees just kicked the door off its hinges. I, I loved it. It was very, very punk, very R&B, hip-hop. I just I love her voice. She's incredible. So that's my number one. Caught out there, Khalees. Don't yeah, get caught I, out there. I appreciate you reminding me of that song because I completely forgot about that song. But as soon as you mentioned it, I'm like, oh, I remember that song. I used to listen to that a lot. Banger. Emo Amy comes out. <laughs> Emo Amy, back, back in her bag. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, and Khalees really was, I know, like, again, that could be, you know, that is like a wide range of music that you could lump into what you call emo. And it, obviously that became like, it's funny to like poke fun at like the emo bands and stuff. But Khalees kind of, that was, that's a very emo song for someone who was, you know, would typically fall under the banner of hip hop and r and It was like, that's a very punk emo song that just happened to have funky Neptune production on it. And really nothing else on the Kaleidoscope album sounds like this. So you could sense that this was this was her. This was like, this is what she wanted to make. This is something that she felt and was more in her bag than maybe some other songs that maybe had more of like a Neptune's flair to them. But yeah, this was incredible. I love I love this song. Love this album. Kaleidoscope, the album. Nice. Good pick, Scott. All right, so what you but got? I'm also a little bit on an angry side. <laughs> there we go. Um, it is another favorite album of mine uh, that this song came from, 1995. Uh, the album is Jagged Little Pill by Alanis Morissette, and the song is You Oughta Know. And this song just rocks. Alanis rocks in general. I finally got to see her live on my birthday a couple years. Still so good. Oh. Uh, but. So th- when this song came out too, you know, a lot of the ways it's been described is this song has an aggressive tone and piercing vocals, or uh, this song has lyrics that are just, you know, explicit and scathing and just all these things yeah. about this song. Uh, but, you know, and, and people also, it, it's interesting because it looks like 
a lot of people tried to figure out who did she write this song about. It, it must be about an ex. And so there's been four or five different people that have been named that she dated anywhere in like that decade of time that they're trying to connect it to. But I love, uh, you know, people have asked Alanis too where it came from. And she was quoted as saying, well, I've never talked about who my songs were about and I won't. Because when I write them, they're written for the sake of personal expression. So with all due respect to whoever may see themselves in my songs, and it happens all the time, I never really comment comment on it because I write these songs for myself, not other people, end quote. Legend. Yeah, just like baller right there. Like, you know, and that's so true, too. Like, sometimes we just write things we're trying to, to heal on ourselves. And it doesn't mean that it's about you, you know. You're so vain. Another great song. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, it's, yeah. it doesn't mean that this is about you. It's just me trying to do my own thing, and this is about my healing process, not yours. So, I love this song. This is one of my favorite songs. I karaoke this song. I get super jazzed no. if I hear it come on anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever karaoke with me, Scott? This song might might come on. Um, but yeah, I just love everything about this song. And, you know, sometimes you do have a bad breakup and it's with a toxic person. And, you know, when they see you, you know, it's just, I hope you're reminded that, you know, you, you were pretty shitty and maybe you still are. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. you, you, you broke my heart, but I, I hope, I hope you always regret it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But That's just a, great a pick. lot more explicit and scathing from Alanis Morissette. <laughs> yeah, she's another one. I, I I just I love that response, that response she had to that. That's that's yeah. perfect. Especially because then, you know, and I get, you know, a lot of people are going to ask those questions when our big artists like that write those very personal kind of, you know, those types of songs, but it's just it it there's no point to even say who those things are about, right? Cuz like you said, it takes it away from the artist. It makes it about yeah. somebody else. And a song may be about somebody else, but it's for that artist to decide that. And I think leaving it ambiguous and ma- makes those songs gain more of like a lore and more of like a classic element to it because you're wondering who's that about. And just on that topic, I think this is one of the funniest things I remember ever seeing was um, Phil Collins. A lot of the songs he wrote, um, some of his biggest hits, a lot of they just carried like a life of their own where they became like mm-hmm. people would say, oh, it's about this. And he wrote this about that. And the famous one obviously being in the air tonight and was people were like, Oh, it's about the lyrics about saving somebody from drowning. And, you know, Eminem poked fun at that and stand, right? Like this, you know, yep. um, you know, saving somebody from drowning, he saw it, and all this, all these, these things, these theories that people craft, you know, craft up about these songs. And there was a time where Phil Collins went on one of the tonight shows. I can't remember which one, whether it was Kimmel or Fallon or one of those. And they asked him and they said, you know, a lot of these songs are seem very specific. And I mean, they're like, you know, I don't want to pry too much, but are are these like about this types of thing? And Phil Collins, without even like breaking a sweat, he just goes, yeah, I'm paraphrasing. He basically says, uh, he goes, no, not not really. I basically just went through a bad divorce or two. And I just that anger from that. I just decided to make these songs, (laughs) which was honestly, if I believe it because he was saying it. But even if that were him just being funny and trolling it makes it even funnier because if those songs are really about something, he's like, you know what? I'm not going to tell you. And then if that is true, then he's basically going, I'm sure. Yeah. 
you can say whatever they want about them, but you know, they're about, they're about me being bitter for my divorces. And I just made these songs up, which to me is absolutely hysterical. That's hilarious that he even said that out loud to be like, eh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure they could be what you want them to be, but no, they're not really about shit. I was just getting divorced and I was bitter, <laughs> which I'm like, what a, what a legend. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. No, just, and, yeah. No, uh, yeah, just with this song too, it just, you know, it gives that, it's like a great female empowerment song. Mm-hmm. I feel like just like, you know, taking it back, um, even after you're hurt. I just, yeah, everything about this song is amazing. And I don't know if you listen to Weird Al ever, Scott, or what your opinions are of Weird Al, but he has this song called Alternative Polka and he samples this song in that. And it's it's just like, it makes me like that song even more just because he samples this song in it. But you know, I, I usually I don't dip, dip into parody albums. <laughs> I'm not into parody artists. <laughs> Although well, he is funny. Know, I just, yeah. Yeah. And just Alanis, I feel like has had inspiration because for other women who have come, come out as time who are like iconic women in music, Beyonce has done samples for Alanis. Britney Spears, I think did this song once. Taylor was called, Taylor Swift was calling uh, Alanis out on stage with her to do this song. Like, you know, it's, she just is somebody who led a lot of female empowerment, and you see it still coming over in time, even uh, even though a lot of Taylor Swift fans probably don't know who Alanis is, but that's okay. I mean, honestly, too, you say Beyonce, I could have put the whole Lemonade album on this. I mean, her creating that whole <laughs> album because Jay-Z fucked up is, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't put them as breakup songs because obviously they're the biggest power couple in the world. And they're happily still married with three kids, but that whole album, I mean is woman scorned, you know, and saying like enough is enough. Like, I don't need you. Like, you know, it's brutal. I guess. So, uh, yeah. I, I, I haven't watched the show Bridgerton yet, um, but I guess in season two, there's like a string version of you ought to know that plays in the background in that show. So that's funny. Yeah. That's a funny <laughs> so musical cue in a period piece. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? You got any, uh, you got any honorables, like some extra special yeah. ones you want to shout out? Yeah, so, you know, I did have about five others that were really hard to not put on my list, but, you know, Scott, I didn't want to cheat this time, so I was doing very well with my 10. You should be very proud of me. Yep. Um, But Aaliyah's song, I Refuse, I think is a great one, and it's it's Mm. another one of those female empowerment of, you know, not taking back something that's toxic. Um, Selena Gomez, Lose You to Love Me, uh, is a great one about, you know, sometimes you have to get out of a relationship in order to find that self-love in yourself, too, because... A lot of people stay in relationship because they need that love that they aren't giving themselves. So I think that's something I respect a lot, being able to step back and realize you need to, do, to focus on loving yourself first a little bit more. Yep. Um, and then Dua Lipa's song, IDGAF, is also a great I don't one. give a fuck. Yeah, that that's a great, yeah, solid. Yep. Yeah. So that one hit there, I think. What was the other one? Uh, see, I have to flip pages because I had just... <laughs> long ass list <laughs> um oh the other one was uh patrick swayze she's like the wind that he sings for dirty dancing and you know like, <laughs> that's a funny pick yeah no and like like it's not entirely like a breakup but you know like they it, it's singing about somebody you got yeah. with that you're just like yeah like we are just in two different worlds girl but you're blowing through my life and i love you but i know you're gonna be gone <laughs> is what it is how about you, Scott? Yeah. Um, so one of the ones that was really hard to leave off, because even though some, I think I had one or two that were maybe, I guess you could consider like hip hop R&B influenced. Um, 
I really wanted to put um, Miss Jackson, Outcast Miss Jackson, just because, yeah, again, that song. song was a song that was that Andre really wrote his more, you know, kind of endearing side of his verse about um, Erica Badu's mother when his relationship when he split from Erica Badu. And it just kind of had a funny kind of true to life story where, you know, they, they split and then they made this album and they made this song, but then big boy, you know, obviously the other legendary half outcast, his verse is more the aggressive side that Andre didn't say, which was basically, you know, you can go on and get the hell on you and your mama. And which is just one of the funniest lines, but that's why they work so well. You know, they kind of Andre had his more like personal heartfelt version and, you know, where he kind of wished maybe he could have done better, but, so th- that was that was when I kind of had a hard time leaving off because I I mean that's an excellent mm-hmm. song. Um, Gave your love away by Majid Jordan just because I love Majid Jordan and they're one of the best R and B groups out. Um, one that kind of had the world in a chokehold for like two years was Gautier, somebody that I used to know, and then I my know. guy just disappeared. And granted, yeah, he's still he's doing stuff, but yeah, sir, yeah, there you go. Um, serves you right Did you to suffer. Ever see the meme of of him in a in like the driver? rearview window where it's like you didn't have to cut me off that used to crack me yeah so yes much. the meme yeah he <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't yeah the memes for him were were incredible john lee yeah john lee hooker's blues song that uh, serves you right to suffer kind of a funny bitter i love those kind of petty bitter old timey songs lauren hill's x factor was incredible yes thank you you just made me think i love of that miseducation too, a lauren hill album yeah one that of my favorite albums one. x factor is yeah. Again, true to her relationship, uh, our I think break up with a uh, Wyclef. Mm-hmm. Um, diminishing returns on this guy as a person these days, but Kanye's 808 and Heartbreak album at the time was like the OG sad boy breakup <laughs> whole album of sad songs. And um, speaking of our guy doing the Super Bowl, Usher's Burn, uh, oh yeah, off Confessions, which was again about his breakup with Chili from TLC. So yeah, they're. They're so, I mean, we could have made like a top 50. Natalie Imbruglia's Torn. Torn. Yep. Oh, got to give a shout out to the, uh, the, the, the eighties hair bands. Just be, I mean, oh, vocalists, yeah. uh, Every separate ways, <laughs> separate ways <laughs> by journey. Ways. Yep. I mean, geez, that's yeah. Oh, the other one I do have to shout out because I love it. And it's one of my favorite songs ever. Um, is I wish it would rain by the temptations. Oh yeah. I haven't heard that song in a minute. Excellent. I, I, I didn't, I, I don't want to say I had wanted to have like multiple, but I, I was kind of trying to have a little bit of eclecticness, but also the ones I've listened to the most. And although I've listened to that a ton, yeah. when I kind of wanted to go that direction, Marv, I had to go Marvin Gaye. Oh, and then one of the most like recent did. ones, huh. one of the most recent ones is Enough For You, Olivia Rodrigo. Oh, I don't, I don't know if I've heard that one yet. One of the young, bright, up and coming yeah. stars of her generation. I like her. Yeah, I like her. I, I don't know if I've heard that song yet, though. Nancy yeah, Sinatra's some, These Boots Are Made gems. For Walking is a great breakup song. <laughs> Even though it's not like really about breaking up, it's about just like letting you know that eventually I'm going to be walk- strutting it on out of here. <laughs> One that I think is, I have to, I have to mention just because it was really weird that the song happened because of her status at the time. And it's kind of forgettable. I don't even want to say it's a good song. Was Katy Perry's Circle the Drain? At the time she wrote it, because she had broken up with uh, Gym Class Heroes frontman Travis McCoy, 
And this was when she was not megastar Katy Perry, but she was Katy Perry. She was, you know, she had, she had some hits. She was like the girl. She was out there um, going to be the next big star. And she had this kind of low level forgotten about song on her album, which was written and produced at, by, I think, by Tricky Stewart and The Dream, who were like, The Dream's one of like my favorite artists. And they're, you know, incredible if you look up their work. Um, and they wrote this and it's about Travis being basically a piece of shit and being like wanting to do more drugs than be in a relationship and being lazy and whatever else and listening knowing what you know now of Katy Perry and going back and listening to that at the time even though she had this kind of fiery spirit it wasn't it wasn't as explicit but this song circled the dream where she's talking about this guy being like a drug deadbeat and then also saying you're a fucking joke in a in a pop song was wild was kind of just a weird snapshot where you listen <laughs> knowing what you know now and you go back and listen to that you're like wow Katy Perry made that song like jeez it was just weird, just a weird yeah. moment, you know, but, um, but that, that's when it's real too. It's that mixed emotions, yeah. breakups, yeah. bring out every emotion in a person. Is Eminem's Kim count? Oof. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but woof. I feel like if I could have D'Angelo's soap opera, double homicide breakup song, Eminem's Kim might have to be mentioned. Yeah, one of the more theatrical, darker versions. Yeah. So yeah, there's our there's our top ten breakup songs. You want to run run yours down, or you want me to run yeah. mine down? Yeah. So uh, my ten was "Crying" by Aerosmith. My nine was "Don't Speak" by No Doubt. Number eight was "Picture" by Cheryl Crow and Kid Rock. Number seven was "Dancing on My Own" by Robin. Uh, number six was Fuck It, I Miss You by Winnetka Bowling League and Demi Lovato. My number five was It Must Have Been Love by Roxette. Number four, King of Wishful Thinking by Go West. Number three, Blow Me One Last Kiss by Pink. Number two, Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish. And number one, You Oughta Know by Alanis Morissette. Nice. All right, my number 10 was I Hope That You're Okay by Babyface. Number nine was Wicked by Nisha. Number eight was Call Up My Name by The Weeknd. Number seven was Somebody Else by The 1975. Number six, Back to Black, Amy Winehouse. Number five, Show Me Love by Laura Mvula. Uh, number four, Don't Turn the Lights On, Chromeo. Number three was, yes, Shit Damn Motherfucker by D'Angelo. <laughs> number two was I Met a Little Girl by Marvin Gaye. And number one, Caught Out There by Khalees. There it nice. is. For all the sad boys and girls. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, for our next episode, Scott, we're taking a little bit of a turn. <laughs> yep, we're, we're getting back to love, rom-coms, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Top 10 rom-coms coming up. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, all right. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, uh, we are ranked the podcast uh, on Instagram. And you can listen to this podcast basically anywhere you get your podcasts. Awesome. This is ranked. Right. Thanks, Scott. Thank you. Thank you.